Before we start this episode of Dr Whodcast, we'd like to draw your attention to BLAM UK, a charity which promotes a truthful discourse of blackness through analysis of history by providing more diverse education for young people. Right now, you can donate to help BLAM organise free lessons on black history for children. And if you are a white fan of Doctor Who and want to continue to learn, educate and be more actively anti-racist, I'd like to recommend the podcast Woke Doctor Who, who have done several episodes on how race in both the fandom and the show has been portrayed. I'd especially recommend the episode Martha My Dear, which goes a long way to explain the toxic institutionalised racism that we as Doctor Who fans need to reject in ourselves and in our community to create a better world. This episode of Doctor Whodcast is brought to you by Madame Two Sorts. Real celebrities, but made of wax. <laughs> it's, it's, what, what do you say to that? I don't know, whatever you want. Um, have you ever been to Madame Two Sorts? I've I find it scary. I've been a couple of times. Really? It's fine. Is it? Well, I have a thing where I get scared. I like. I don't know if you've ever been to like castles. No, there's, there's Madame Two Swords, and there's a scary bit of Madame Two Swords, but most of it isn't scary. Most of it is just celebrities, but made of wax. No, but my whole thing is that I don't like people made of wax in general. I used to go to like loads of medieval castles, oh. and then you know, like they have like a medieval castle. They have like the reenactments of like what it was like in the mm. medieval times. Mm. Are they made of wax? I thought those were actors. No. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Don't. You literally will bring your childhood fear. I have never... No, I went to a lot of castles too, and I don't remember ever seeing a waxwork. Did you go to any in Scotland? Maybe it's maybe it's just uh, Scotland. I have, but less. Yeah, I, maybe it was just a Scotland thing. More like, in, I went to Glasgow more, more in, Most of them that I went to were in Wales, actually, because that's nearer Manchester. Ah, well, I've never been to a Welsh castle. Well, that's fine. Yeah, sorry, Welsh tourism board. I feel like we're, we're slagging off Doctor Who, because we're not slagging off Doctor Who, but it, that was made in Wales. Some of it. Some of it. All of it. All of it. Swans. Wales, Wales. We like Wales. Um, we yeah, the animal uh, and the country. But yeah, so have you been to Madame Tussauds? No, and I don't tend to ever go. Really? Yeah, you're I still am that, scared. I am that scared of wax figures. Oh, that's why is... the Autons are really scary for me. I can't do. I've... I can't deal with them, even though they're not wax. I thought Autons were scary because it's like the thing you love versus something that's going to kill you. What? What's Sh- like, what? Shopping. <laughs> you buy too many clothes. Well, the pro- every day it's another fucking hat. I'm wearing a, a, a maroon ensemble. He's wearing a bowler hat. I'm wearing a bowler. It's, it, is it a bowler or is it like a? It's I don't know. I don't know. I want to introduce the guest so uh, he can weigh in on this. Yes, exactly. He's just been sort of very, mm. very calmly and very quietly and very, so, very lovely, very nicely. Okay, so let's run the theme tune and then we can do that. Yeah, exactly. Roll credits. It's time to introduce, well, ourselves first. I am Charlie Harris. And I'm Will Paxton. And this is the Doctor... Cast. That was good. Thank you. That was good, yeah. Thank you. Um, introducing our special guest, who will be here with us for both Bad Wolf and The Parting of the Ways. It's Thomas Jebediah Thornhill. Jebediah. I love That's it. That's your middle name, right? Absolutely. If you want it to be Charlie, that can be my middle name. Yeah. Uh, great to be with you. Great to be on the show. Really excited to be here. Ha- hang on. What is your middle name? Uh, I've got two. 
Okay, is one of them Jebediah? Unfortunately Then not, why no. the fuck did you lie to me? I'm just here to try and make everything better, Charlie. If you want me to be Jebediah, I can be Jebediah. Every right? fucking day, mate. Yeah, just yeah, looking yeah, at the yeah, sound yeah. waves on Audacity right now, and <laughs> I, think, I think we've given all of our audience a migraine. I uh, think so we apologise about you... that. It's quite, it's quite a plosive Jebediah, isn't it? It comes out quite nice. It I is. like it. I wouldn't mind it as a middle name. Like, I often I feel a bit bored by my middle name. So... TJ Thornhill. Yeah, what? Yeah. TJ Thornhill. TJ Thornhill. Now that... I'd buy stuff off that guy. DJ Definitely. TJ Thornhill. You need a remix. You need to become a DJ. This is it. Oh, guys, you're giving me a whole uh, personality <laughs> breakdown. I need to rebrand. I need to rebrand. No, you don't. You need to debrand. <laughs> yeah. um, so we are reviewing this week the first part of the two-part finale of Series 1, uh, Bad Wolf, which is a weird title for this episode because Bad Wolf is part of this episode, but it's not like the sum of its part like the bad wolf storyline gets wrapped up next episode yeah you're you're right but it is this the sense is that it's going to be explored yes that's true but i would i would um, i would love that this if this episode was just called like big brother or the game or the game, the game station the game or station let the games begin let the oh, games begin that that's a, a title. that's a great title mm-hmm. i like that mm-hmm. um if, if we were doing Madame Vastra's one-word test for this episode, just as a just as a bit of a um, a, a flavour to, to start this episode Ooh. off, what would you what would you say in one word sums up this episode? Okay, bear in mind the last time we did this, we did it for Father's Day, and we both said at the same time, "Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, Incredible. But so let's be a bit, I, I, you know. I do have one, but it, I I kind of need to explain it afterwards. Okay, well, well, you can go last with that then, okay. uh, Tom. Let's go first with you. Because I'm still thinking of mine. <laughs> Wait, so why did you make me last? If you, I do. Yeah, have he had one. one. Oh, you go. You go first then, and explain okay. it. Uh, okay, trash. Not because I think it's a bad episode. Okay. Or that I think the episode itself is trash, but I do think that what it does is parody and deconstruct the obsession with reality television that we still have, but a specific brand of it which was very present in the early 2000s. That's what I mean when I say trash. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I I can I can completely get on that. Um, Do you want me to go next? Yeah, you go next. Okay, Why not? So I, I feel like I'm slightly jumping on uh, Charlie's bandwagon here, but I'm going to say Mirror, just because my my impression of watching this episode, I watched it earlier in the day, and uh, my just impression was it's such a, Russell T Davis does such a brilliant job of literally holding up a mirror. To our society, it's got that, as all the best sort of dystopian things do, it holds up a mirror and makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable about the society that you're in because it reflects it so well, so well that it's almost a little bit uncomfortable. And it's done, and Rusty Davis throughout the season, I think that's the, the, the triumph of season one is that with Aliens of London, you have the co- the comment on sort of our political system, what happens if, what the protocols of ha- what happens in World War Three. Mm. You have the long game, which is about the media and like what happens if our media gets controlled, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which is more relevant now, I'd say, than than before. Yeah, um, well, well, I think what they were doing, what I, what I feel like they were commenting on in the long game was monopolies in print media, which I think has, for better or for worse, been decentralised if not completely democratised mm. and then I suppose you've also got Cassandra and the comment about plastic surgery and changing what it means to be human like that Nicole Kidman reference yeah. that and, Russell and, uses and racial purity yes which is about being a pure human mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. Um, I thought my word um, it's copyright this is a bit of a meta one because I'm like this is a episode which I'm amazed that, that, that Rusty Davis was able to get the rights from a Channel 4 show 
and Big Brother and get in Davina McCall and get in and Trini and Susanna. Trini and Susanna. It was an ITV show, I think. Yes. So they had literally Channel Four, mm-hmm. ITV, and BBC in one bundle on the BBC. And for Doctor Who, cameos from the real people. Yes. Yeah, which is that's... so meta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So cool. So cool. I mean, that gives it that authenticity as a, as a mirror, doesn't it? It's, it's so it's... close when you hear the real voice of Alan Robinson, when you hear the real voice of Trini and Susanna. Yeah. I was, I was going to save this for the Easter eggs, but. I think they almost weren't gonna. They were gonna have an impersonator do do the Emerald. Yeah, I think they'd the already. I think they'd already yeah. booked it, haven't they? they? I don't think they recorded it, but, but they 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 had they got the impersonator on board. Yeah, they never thought that Anne Robinson would come and do it. Do you want to do my job and for then me, mate? And then, she, and then she surprised them, and then yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's, it's quite something. It's and I think that's. I think it's so cool that this episode exists. Mm-hmm. Like, it, or at least the first half of this episode, mm-hmm. because I think that would have taken a lot of convincing. But then again. Something that we also have seen throughout this first season, there are so many people that wanted to be involved with Doctor Who coming back. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. Whether it's John Barrowman, Zoe Wanamaker, Simon Pegg. Who's Simon Pegg? Is Simon Pegg? Just have to say that every time Simon Pegg's mentioned on the podcast, we have to say his name three times. So it's that, like so that he'll appear. Yeah, exactly. Has he appeared yet? No. He did, we can but, hope. It, but we didn't record it. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's. And I love the start of this episode. Literally starts with the Big Brother theme, and it's and a spinning thing. Um, happening with it, it's it's fabulous. It it yeah. really really is fabulous. Um, I love the opening shot of like you hear the Big Brother music as the spinning shots descends over Christopher Eccleston, and it sort of bring it sort of it sort of like literally dizzies you into a sense of like we're in these shows now. So that brings us nicely on to maybe a time to summarize the episode. God, do you want to do it or should I? Um, do you know what? I'm I'll do the last one of the series because I've been doing them often. You do this one. Uh, okay, do you want to time it? Uh, yes, I'm going to time on my fingers because that does a visual representation. Okay, fine. No, actually, no, I'll just I'll time yeah, on my phone. We've all got phones we, we, now. We can, we can, this is the we 21st can edit, century. We, we can edit this. I was quite excited to see you try and count to 30 on your fingers. Yeah, I know. How many fingers have you got? <laughs> yeah, I was quite looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, right, how do you time on phones? Ah, yep, got it. Ready? Three, two, one, go. The Doctor, Rose and Jack have all been separated by a transmat beam and they all wake up on... Nightmarish versions of everyday shows that are recognisable to anyone who lived through the early 21st century. They realise there's something dodgy going on as the people in the shows all seem to end up killed. Um, Rose gets killed in her at the end of her TV show before the Doctor and Jack can save her. They escape along with Linda from the Big Brother house, and they uh, and, and turns out Rose hasn't been killed, but she's been kidnapped by the Daleks. Very good. good very, job. very good. Very, very good job. I've been listening to a lot of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Yeah, shout out to Harry Potter and Sacred Text because, like, they are like they are so so good at this. So it's now in their seventh season. Well, not seventh season. Yeah, seventh so book. I'd say seventh season. Seventh season. Um, so they're very good at doing this very quickly. Um, and I'm still not. So the Parting of the Ways probably will be another <laughs> two and a half minute summary. We'll probably have to put the Doctor Madonna theme That's instead a, of the clock, countdown clock down. To note on that yeah. is only my second recap. It's very impressive, isn't it? Good. Done, I could see the time done in thirty seconds flat. Very impressive. Indeed. I just set the bar very high for the rest of the podcast. I just friend. I just edited the um, the first time you do it, um, which is for Empty <laughs> uh, Dances. Not Empty Child. I think Siobhan does it for Empty Child. Ye- Oh, okay. Yes. It's Dr. Dances. Um, right. It's a great way I got out of it for two weeks. It was wonderful. Um, and then... You don't enjoy it, you can just say. Yeah, well, I, I do enjoy... <laughs> I, I enjoy the camaraderie of afterwards. I, I like that I focus on the tangents and then go and then get into I a I think loop. it's really cute when you do it. Oh, that is the worst compliment ever. Cute is... No. Oh, no, that wasn't a compliment, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, I would, yeah, when you were doing it for the Dr. Dances, <laughs> Siobhan and me both went... 
That's a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah, it's just too good. Yeah, it was, it was all right. So, um, um, yeah, well done this time because you made it interesting, fun. I think I just power. shouted a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Um, shall we start with this episode with talking about the Doctor, the the the, the character, the one, the only? Or do you want to start with an overview of the general episode? Because well, this I is... would like to start by talking about the games. The games. Mm. The, On yeah. the game station. The, so it takes three um, very popular reality or game shows from the era. Big Brother, The Weakest Link, and... We- what is the name of the Trini and Susanna? Uh, what Not to Wear. Is I, that what it is? Well believe, done. Yeah, I, I, I think I that's true. Trini and yeah. Susanna were What Not to Wear. At, at that time, that's what they were. I think that what I love about the starting of all this, the, the games is the the little touches. Like, I love that in the Big Brother house, you've got the fact that they've... If you notice in the back wall, they've got all those pictures. Yeah. Which kind of looks like there was a task where all of them had to, like, oh, draw got, the other they've, people. They've got, they've got these, like, leather satchels. Yes, yes, which is, yeah. I, yeah. And it's like, you feel like they have been living there. What I will say, and it, it's a nitpick, and I understand why, does the Big Brother house look really small to you? Yes. It looks tiny. But it looks we absolutely are, tiny. We are told, aren't we, that there's about 20 houses at once going on. I thought it was 60. Could be 60. Uh, it's I, loads. I think it's 20 on one floor over three floors. So I think like it is that. 60 yeah, yeah, or but, but whatever. We're told that there's loads and loads and loads of houses going on. So that might be a bit, but it was just a bit... Well, it was essentially one quite cramped room with a little corridor off it, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, you didn't have a kitchen even. There was a diary room. Yeah. yeah. And the diary room looked like the normal size of a normal diary room. Well, that's very small. <laughs> well, I will say in the early seasons of Big Brother... They, the house was not the, the the huge decked out house that it but was. But this is very late season Big Brother. No, it wasn't. No, in the future. Oh, in the, well, in the that, year two hundred thousand yeah, one hundred. Well, true, but if it's if it's comparing the contemporary time, which it kind of is, this you have to take a step of disbelief because there's literally a early two thousands television you, you know in what? the room yes. with like the grain, like the early two thousands grain you had on you, t- TVs. You know, you know what I genuinely just think it was the studio space they had available to oh them. yeah 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 but like it does feel like that early era of like the jade goody season two era of big brother houses or the alison hammond season one i don't remember that being that small but it was i was i don't really remember that season well i think that the the, the main difference between this big brother house and the other big brother houses is that there was no kitchen mm. there's no kitchen in that whole house there's mm. literally how are they gonna eat food but well, maybe that's part of the torture is they don't eat food in this, but this is again. No, they do because they say that Crosby was a good cook. Yes, they do. Oh, speaking yes. of that, I wanted um, that's that is said by a character called Strood, and Strood. This is another little nuance about Russell T Davis adding queer characters is that he Strood represents the queer archetype that has that was on Big Brother in those early seasons. Mm-hmm. There was a guy oh, okay. called Brian Dowell who I believe either won season one or series series two of Big Brother. And Strood has that feeling of like very rule facing, very um very like I, he he must be a plant, etc. He Sucky. understands the rules of the game. And what I have loved about I've been a Big Brother watcher for years. I didn't know that. Yeah I I huge um, fan aren't you? Huge fan. I will say that I am I'm not an OG fan. I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was a kid. Um but they but what happens the I recently watched the the recent seasons, and as opposed to Love Island and X on the Beach and Geordie Shore, um, maybe Geordie Shore is not the best example because they have had queer people on it. Big Brother from the very early seasons reflected all of British society. There are people who are posh, people of different ethnic backgrounds, people who are queer, people who... There was a trans contestant in season three or four of Big Brother. Um, But they've had uh, lots of people from the queer community on that. And I think that Strood being there 
I, he just seems like so lived in and such a such a good archetype for a queer person on Big Brother. I really felt it throughout the episodes. It was just little nuances of like, I think he's a plant or um, like talking about the cooking or et cetera. I just, I just felt that like he was playing the game as so many queer people did play the game at that point. Um, that's a little nuance. That's that's a bit a, of... No, I, I, that went completely over my head. Partly because I don't really watch Big Brother. Well, uh, you know, gay corner over here just adds the little uh, queer, queer bits. And I want to say it's things. not really a corner. We're at a curved table. We own a curved table. Hunched over one microphone at a curved table. <laughs> Indeed, yes, it's not really a corner. Um, what any any thoughts from you yeah, about well, I guess, the I mean, I guess other it's, stuff? It's interesting you're talking about Strud. I mean, it's the thing I was saying about Russell T Davis. With all of that, this first series of Doctor Who is a br- holds up a mirror brilliantly to society, mm. and I think this is why this episode is one of my favourites of the series. Is he gets a chance to really go for it with characters like Strood, characters like Roderick in the weakest link. Yes, yes. Um, we'll talk about Roderick in a sec. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, continue in our, in our monsters of Doctor about, Who section. <laughs> talk about Big Brother. He um, is a monster. He is a monster. But, but yeah, I think I think he manages to get across, even though it's in a very very small space, very small set. We don't spend a huge amount of time in that house, but I mean, you talk about how it literally opens with the Big Brother theme and then it's spinning. I think instantly you get that feeling, don't you, of being inside the Big Brother house and it's such a familiar theme and it's such a sort of familiar space. That even though it's small, you can tell straight away it's the Big Brother house. Yeah. I just think it's such a like clever, interesting bit of almost slightly dystopian writing from Russell T. What, what, I, what I will say about it is unlike Jack's experience and unlike Rose's experience, the Big Brother house that the Doctor wakes up in isn't... We could talk for, about this for ages. Oh, yeah. I know we have to move on. But the Doctor's experience isn't immediately futuristic. There, mm. There's not mm. the android and there's not robots of Trini and Susanna. Yep. It is the Big Brother house. And I think it's so smart to open with that rather than um, the other ones because... You don't even know if it's in the future. He could have just woken up in like a parallel universe where he is just on Big Brother. Mm. And we get that, don't we, with the Doctor obviously knows what Big Brother is. Because you know, you know when the, the voice uh, of the Big Brother house tells, Which is them McCall. Tells, them it's time, <laughs> tells them it's time for the eviction, the Doctor like lies back on the sofa, legs spread, really relaxed. Like, oh, come oh, on, she'll get make it money over on, with. She'll make money on the outside. She'll make money it's on the outside. Very... Very twenty-first century presumptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and it gives you that. It gives the Doctor that that moment of finally figuring out what's going on and yeah as opposed to yeah with jack and with rose where pretty instantly you can figure out something is something is up here something is wrong yeah i will say that unless you've seen the next time yes of course (laughs) unfortunately yes well well doctor who next times that is a a they are notoriously bad yes (laughs) i will i will bring it up spoiled the daleks in this episode yeah do they? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. In the, yeah, in the next time you hear that they survive because of me. No, believe, that's part of the ways. The Boomtown next time has the Daleks in it. Oh, mm. I see from the episode before. That's terrible. Got, got, alert, got alert, we are detected. Oh, yes, they do. Yes. Oh, my God, I remember and that as a kid. people were so pissed off about that. Yeah. Because it's a really because good reveal. Because then you were waiting for the Daleks to turn up the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember the I remember the reveal of, like, I mean, watching this later on, like, the reveal of that just one eye stalk following Rose is like, <gasps> it's the Daleks. But I do remember at the time, yeah, it was spoiled. It yeah. was that alert, alert, we are detected. And I was like, oh, this, as a seven-year-old or eight-year-old, I was like, oh, that's cool. But, like, now I'm like, why did so, they spoil it? Do we see? Can I? Sorry, to, to interrupt. No, I, I don't mean. To, um, I just on this point about spoilers. The episode doesn't start with the Doctor spinning round. It starts with a 
previously, previously on, the on, on the long game, which annoys me. I agree. I'm so annoyed that they did that because I love the reveal of it the Doctor coming out, coming out that room and says, hold on. I've been here before. Mm-hmm. This is Satellite 5. And then you see the satellite spinning. Mm-hmm. That's such a good reveal. Yeah. Why yeah. on earth do they do this thing of like 100 years later? It'd be so much more interesting. It literally starts with that spinning shot. And I think this is potentially Rusty Davis trying to make it non-complicated I for Doctor Who fans. No, I think it's a BBC thing of making it so that you can jump in on any episode. Mm, to, just so. the viewers, especially I, I, I for think... a two-part finale, you know it makes sense, doesn't it? There will have been lots of people yeah, who exactly. won't have been watching. Obviously, it's the, the whole first season. series as well. They're trying to pick up viewers at every point. It's the first season back. Yeah, and there will have been a lot of people who will have tuned in from word of mouth each week. They will yeah, have come in episode, five, and they might have got more viewers seven. each week. Yeah, yeah. So they want you want to be able to follow, but I don't know that watching the previously gives you that much that you couldn't pick up. Yeah, no, that's not at all. I mean, that, that often is the art of good exposition writing, isn't it? Is, is You can have it in the episode without needing it previously. Well, the Doctor says, he has a whole speech to Linda when they're w- looking at looking the world. Through, yeah. And he says, he says basically everything that happened in the long game, all of the situation. Mm. And then Linda adds what then happens in the next hundred years, which is more interesting so than just saying a hundred years later. Maybe just because we've seen it. Maybe just because we've seen it, that's true. If we hadn't seen it. But another thing that I will say is that Christopher Eccleston, when he's talking about his failure in the long game, that he thought he was saving the world, but he just made it worse. Mm. Mm. I think that is an amazing act. Like, the way that it doesn't just feel like an exposition dump. You He ma- he manages to feel exposition with sadness and regret, and it's really mm. fascinating to watch. In an episode, when, when you get down to it, not that much actually happens. No. Yeah. And he manages... I, I think he holds this episode together super, super well. Because Rose disappears halfway through. Mm-hmm. Yes. About halfway. We could talk about um, The Weakest Link quickly. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've, we And the Trinity Susanna. But Trinity Susanna, I've not got too much to say about. Because for me... I don't, I, I don't, that is the one part of that that I don't, there's not as much explicit references. That could be any makeover show. True. Trini and Susanna ground it. Like those two voices ground that. And, and, and the fact they're called Tinny and Susanna. Yes. Are they actually? I, I remember that from Top Trumps. Oh. Yeah, I Doctor Who Top Trumps. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm sure, yeah, it was Tinny and Susanna. Oh, that is yeah, absolutely it's, brilliant. It's the android and the, I think Davina droid? I think I remember the Davina droid, but yeah. Tinny and Zuzanna, I'm sure that's the case. Wow. But yeah, those two characters ground the Trinity Zuzanna one. Do you feel like... uh, We can talk... The weakest thing, I think it's fairly straightforward that it is just about... um, People... It's ostensibly a quiz show, but people tuned in to watch Anne Robinson eviscerate people. Mm -hmm. And she is literally eviscerating them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not... So I think that is like not... But it's a nice, subtle kind of exaggeration of what people were tuning in for. Mm. The Trini and Susanna stuff, I don't, I don't watch a lot of makeover shows, but is the commentary that they want to watch people who they think are freaks? Because Jack is very obviously not a fashion disaster. No. Maybe he is by 200,000 standards. But I, I, even then, I don't think... It's ever like we're going to help you. So, is it a re- is that makeover show a reversal that rather because the people who go on those shows they tend not to look great or then it's framed so that they need help to look better. Is the thrust of that show getting people who do look good like two thousand five John Barrowman and 
cutting their head off and replacing it with a dog's head and making them look worse. Is it? Is are they flipping the premise? Mm, for me, I think I think the commentary is a is a similar one to Weakest Link. Well, in fact, it's a similar theme. So I think all three, and I think it's in the What Not to Wear parody as well. Which is, is it not just that? as humanity has progressed and got more and more obsessed with these reality shows... It needs to be more insane. That it needs to be more and more and more. And so, of course, of course, Captain Jack is a very good-looking man. And and even when they say him, they talk about... They, they compliment his jaw. His ass. His ass. Which, by the way, the only... We've, we're going to talk about the, the ass. The ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that's, for me, that's how I see it, is obviously as we've got more and more obsessed as the years have gone by with image and changing and having people tell you what's good and what's not good. It just seems to me that in this slightly dystopian world, what's what's happened is people want more and more and more. And the early days of Trini and Susanna, just giving people a nice shirt and giving people a nice pair of trousers, it's not enough for humanity anymore. They sit inside no, I... and they watch the TV all the time. And so they've, they've been pushed to these more and more No, I, 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 I get that as the overall premise, but as an individual satire of an individual type of reality show, I think then it's probably the, I think it's the weakest of the three as a setter. I think that you could make an argument that it's about the the, the idea that fashion moves forward and on is that we had the sixties in fashion, the seventies in fashion, and each each era has got a different era. Modern day fashion is more casual wear than um, formal wear, which was which would and that started in sort of the seventies and eighties, and then that has now led to sort of that nineties sort of like gel hair sneaker culture, yeah, yeah. and then now sort of like the fact that the most what people buy instead of like brogues or like nice shoes are, is there's sneaker culture, and that's and that's the sort of the the main fashion at the moment is like what creps have you got or whatever, and maybe it's the idea that sort of high fashion in the future is with a dog's head is with like ex- all right fine but we don't see anyone with a dog's head no that's and these true. people are all on television no that's true but then as opposed to the other two premises where there's multiple people this is a one person thing i will i will agree with you in terms of the weakest scenario is that i, I because I there's get my head by around what they're trying to say I in think... that individual is it just they needed a third one I think I think they need a third one. I think there could have been a better option. I think that it's difficult when it's just you have two ensemble casts in Big Brother and in Weakest Link where you can play off the nuances and that. Whereas makeover shows are deeply personal. So that is just a way that Captain Jack it's almost like a Captain Jack vanity one yeah. in a way. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it is it, and it's funny. It's really well, funny. Well that's it. It does also just function as an actually quite a bleak episode. Yeah. It is actually a little bit of light relief, isn't it? It is fun. You know, you do laugh. Captain Jack doesn't have a weapon on him, and then he pulls the gun out, and they say, where did you get that? Where have you been hiding that? And he says, oh, you don't yeah. want to know. You know, it is just a little bit of light relief. Yeah. Which the episode needs, because it, it, you know it's, it's those first 10, 15 minutes say, are pretty tough. I have to say, I'd love to see him on the countdown with the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, is it also that thing of like... That, and, by the way, that version of countdown makes no, no sense. sense. Yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> wait, so they only do one round? If they... Yeah, it's it's yeah that make yeah well also I it's ground forced what's ground, ground force they turn into compost on that one turn you into compost yeah, yeah but like what I I've never watched ground force I don't know what it is I, I don't know what it is it. but like you is didn't that watch the ground force oh as the old, please explain the, the old concept. one in the room so um uh, <laughs> ground force was a was a show uh, presented by Alan Titchmarsh Charlie Dimmock and another uh, landscaper I can't remember and Ground Force was essentially they would come in and they would redo it was a makeover show but for gardens 
Right, okay. And it was huge. In the very early 2000s, Grand Force was huge. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was obsessed with Charlie Dimmock. Um, because Charlie Dimmock uh, was a lady who would garden without wearing a bra. And everyone would talk about it. She's quite famous for that. Everyone oh. would talk about it. She became like a household name. Uh, Alan Titchmarsh, it was kind of his, really the uh, the height of his career was when he was presenting Ground Force because people were obsessed with it. So yeah, it was it was, it was was your gardener's world, but with a little bit of... Uh, sex. Uh, yeah, with a little bit of a sex appeal. Which is That's kind of... absolutely right. Yeah. Is that is that what um, Spring Watch has come into? Because I know there's so many talking about, what's the main presenter on... The, the woman, female presenter on t- um, Spring, Spring Watch. Watch. Um, all the middle-aged dads are obsessed with her because mm. my my dad is. I know that I've, mm. I've I've been at dinner parties where like all the middle-aged um, middle-class white men are all in the corner. It's like, oh, I know this person. Oh, she's she's got a lovely pair of knockers. I've it been was, in conversations yeah, like that. That was that was Charlie Dimmock. Like, when you go at, home, at uh, well, okay, when yeah. you go home, do you go back to the nineteen seventies? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I, I'm. So, that is what living in Surrey is like. I'm afraid, Charlie. Um, and probably the same with Shropshire. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I know, you, I know, you I know you're from central Manchester. I know you've got a very different I'm perspective I'm not from central. This. I'm from like Greater Manchester. I'm not from central Manchester. No, yeah, that's true. You're not, you're not in the city. I'm, I'm anyway. from the suburbs, but I know we usually... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was just... Leafy like a... Manchester. Yeah, it just, it was the way you said that. It was, I'm, I'm from, from the, the suburbs, suburb, actually, darling. darling. Yeah, it was a darling moment. Um, I know we usually talk about the Doctor Rose, but there isn't a huge amount... Right, right. I, I kind of just want to, while we're talking about the games, can we just talk about the supporting characters that we get, particularly Roderick and Linda. Mm. Uh, yes, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's start Roderick because I love Patterson Joseph. I love the actor so much. Mm. He's in a lot of stuff. Um, I've seen him in something recently What's and it? I can't remember what it is. Peep it Show? No. Not, no. Oh, he is in Peep Show. He's, he's, brilliant. he's, he's brilliant in Peep Show. Is he in another, about Peep Show. Is he in another Rusty Davis thing? Uh, ooh. Is he in Years he, and Years? No, he's in Torchwood. Oh, is he in Torchwood? I swear he's... I think he's in Torchwood. He might be. He might well be. Yeah, Torchwood. He's in Torchwood. He's one of those actors, isn't he, where he he's never achieved a huge amount of fame. Oh, but but you see him. He's he, a, he's, he's done a lot. He's a huge amount of theatre. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the guy who plays Henry Van Staten. He always put, turns up in British TV shows playing an, the the one American in that TV show. What an episode that is. What Dalek? Mm. It's great, isn't it? It's mm. it's absolutely wonderful. Mm. That was our, I believe, our longest podcast recording. Was mm, was talking about Dalek. We had so much to say. We had so <laughs> much to say. Um, although uh, although. Um, uh, Adam did ruin uh, like a lot of that for us. There's a, there's not necessarily Adam. It's that scene with Adam and Rose with that like silly music in the background. The fact that she's impressed by him just makes no sense to us. Yeah, and it just feels very forced. That whole scene. It just feels like it's been added to like. It feels like Rusty Davis added that as a script revision to give Adam an arc to Long Game. Yeah. As opposed to, I think I don't think that um, who's the writer of that episode. Uh, um, Robert Sherman. No. Sherman. Yes, Robert Sherman. Not Paul. No, Paul Cornell is Father's Day. Um, I will say this, and this probably is quite a nice um, entry into. You're just still looking up what Roger, yeah, I, Roger's I saying. Wanna, I, carry, carry um, on. Lynn, the theme that plays when the doctor's the doctor is wanting uh, Linda's like I could come with you, and the doctor's like maybe you could, and and Linda's like oh um, I wouldn't be too trouble, and then doctor says oh, I'm not going to do the whole scene. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. That was good, it's good. very good. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Um, but that um, music that's underscoring is the same music that is used with Adam, which to me. Is now that I I am I'm trying in these uh, podcasts to talk about musical signalling, mm-hmm. and in that in that to me shows that she's a temporary companion. She's not going to survive. She's not going to be in uh, the in the season finale. 
is it's the exact same. It's almost like the secondary companion music is that music that is given to Adam and Linda, mm-hmm. um, which... Um, do you want to talk about Linda, or do you want to keep on looking at Roderick? No, no uh, I, I can't. Find, I, he <laughs> might have been. If you know, let me know. I can't find anything. He's yet. in a lot, isn't he? he he's, he's in a lot. He's, he's, he's a lot. In um, he was in the Hollow Crown. He's really like good at. Does a lot of Shakespeare. Mm. He was Brutus in the R.S.C. Julius Caesar. Anyway, uh, yeah, Roderick. I love it. I love how just like bitchy he is, and how like. I love. I love how there is nothing redeeming about that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you do. Someone, you mentioned Henry Van Staten. You do just sometimes just need someone to represent the worst impulses of the society that you're going to throw your characters into. Yeah. And I, th- I like the whole concept of him because Weakest Link is different as a twist. It's not about winning money. It's about surviving. And uh, even though but Weakest... He, he I was confused. He does still win money because I think otherwise the banking thing doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. Which is weird because in ev- every other show, like Big Brother... It's not... A, there's no money. I think they would be more consistent if Big Brother there was a bit of money. I, the way I've kind of reconciled, I've been thinking about it. I think that Big Brother makes sense that it is just about survival because it's the main mechanic is eviction, but the weakest link because of the one of the recognizable things isn't just staying in and not being the weakest link. It's also answering questions and banking to keep money. Yeah, banking correctly. Yeah, to keep money, and I think that's yeah. because of the way to play the game. It doesn't make sense to not um, to not have money involved. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's the only way because it is a weird one. I think it is a weird inconsistency. But that is that. That's where I've thought about it. Yeah, no, that makes uh, sense. I think that's the only. And we know that he he definitely banks, doesn't he? Yeah, they, he, he banks. They, they also, show us the banking mechanism. He banks. And he is well. one of the few ones I think that banks. Well, he, like, he, you, he, he, that you see, he's he's a very tactical player, isn't he? He comes mm. in. He comes from the off. He's clearly got a plan. None of them, the rest of the players aren't that good. I mean, we don't see a huge amount, but they're not that good. They're not much worse than Rose. No. You get a sense that if Rose lived in that era, she'd be quite good at it. And she, Rose does manage to get one right, I think, doesn't she? By luck of the question, I believe. Oh, she face gets, of Bo. Yeah, the face of Bo. Well, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, first yeah, yeah. round, when she's taking it as a joke, she gets the question right. What's, um, basically, it's... She has one right, I think. It's yeah, a, it's, it's... a it's, basic maths question. Isn't yeah, it? it's... it's 37 plus um, 53. It's like, oh, 100! And I'm like, well done, Rose. <laughs> Which is so... Uh, Rose in this... I, I know this is... We can talk about Rose later. Actually, let's talk about Rose now because no, we're talking about Weakest Link. We're we, going all around the place. We, we've fucked up the structure of this episode. But do you know what? I think this episode is not like a conventional Doctor no, Who story not. where we can talk about well, the Doctor. Split, we can talk about... Up. Yeah. Because mm. we're talking about Roderick and the Weakest Link. Let's talk about Rose and her reactions. Rose is so good in this episode. I love... I love her... The the start when she's like she te- doesn't is not taking it seriously. Her acting in that is amazing. You mean Billy? P- so I, uh, Billy, Billy about, Piper acting no, as you, Rose. Because there's a case to be made for also Rose as a character does some really impressive stuff. She isn't intimidated when she realizes that a situation is. She doesn't freak out. She goes okay to survive. I have to play. Yeah. And that's that's all I can do in this scenario. Mm. And she I, holds it together, doesn't she? She does. So I think, even though you were talking Billy Piper, Rose is very impressive as a character. Yeah, you're right. In this episode. But it's, yeah, let's talk about Billy Piper. Billy Piper's nuances of um, when she gets a question right, she sort of laughs to herself and then says, yes, into herself. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Um, the, the, the realization once once uh, I believe it's Groff gets killed and she's crying um, is and actually no before that let's talk about before that when she's reacting with Anne 
um, Ro- I was about to say Anne Widdicombe. The very different character. Yeah, different character. <laughs> um, well, where- did go in the Big Brother house. Yes, she did. Oh, my God, that's a season. Mm, that Courtney, is a season. That is a season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Courtney Act from Drag Race versus Anne, Anne Widdicombe. It's fabulous. Quite something, yeah. It's fabulous. Oh, George Galloway was on Big Brother once. Indeed, uh, lapping milk like well, a kitten. Pretended to be a cat. Mm, yeah, that is, that is an amazing moment. One of the vintage Big Brother moments, isn't it? He, and where him um, disagreeing with um, an, another person and, and him talking to a, a previous alcoholic, going, pour me, pour me, pour me a drink. It's great. Um, that's in Peep Show. <laughs> It is. Well, That's, George Patrick Galloway Joseph uses it. says that yeah. in. Um, uh, Rose interacting with Anne Robertson, that whole thing of like, so so you are unemployed and you and yet you you still have enough money to buy peroxide. What a fantastic line! It's it's again this Rusty Davis. Would you Davis, call that a drag? I would call that no. It's a read. It's a read. Not it's a read. What's yeah. a drag? Uh, dragging. If you drag someone, it's like it's a read is in good natured fun. A read is like um, like me sort of burning you and everyone laughs and you're laughing as well. Yeah. Whereas a drag And Rose is, does laugh. And Rose does laugh. So that's what Anne Robinson is doing. That's what Anne Robinson does that in general. She is kind of like playing, reading is fundamental mm-hmm. um, on RuPaul's Drag Race. That's yeah. what her character is yeah, as li- a host. The library is open. The library is very much open mm-hmm. with Anne Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, is, but, is that a RuPaul thing? That was a RuPaul thing. Yeah, Charlie's, yeah. all of these references going over Charlie's head, yeah. that's absolutely the fine. Way that, the way that, I mean, you know, Russell T, he only wrote a few lines for her, but the, the stuff he writes for her as the android is pitch perfect. I love her. I love mm. her. Of, of, of the three, also we don't get that much of Davina, Trini and Susanna are kind of fun, but as you say, drift off a little bit where it's, I think it is the weakest of the three. Yeah. The, the android, for me, every single moment of her is just perfect. Yeah, completely. And completely, of course she completely. gets, uh, I'm very happy that she does get a, which we'll touch on in the next episode, but she does get an ending. Which a makes, redeeming which makes, moment. A redeeming, she gets a redeeming moment. And she we'll is the only on. character that does that. The, yeah. other, the other parts of the game don't come into play, but the weakest link is that. Yes, which I loved. I, loved. Um, I, I like... Just one, I'm just going to end this on Rose, is just one line reading of when she's playing the final round. Um, when she says, shoes, it's great. That to me is like Rose Tyler at her peak. She's just, she's trying to mouth the word and she's, and you can see in her eyes, it's like a, it's a mixture of fear and also a slow realisation. This is the great thing about Rose and this is that you see that like, she, as the questions are getting asked and she realises that like, now even now she's in more danger she's never been and every single question she has the potential to either know the answer like with the face of bow or the maths questions or general knowledge or not know it and you can see as every question that she gets asked is put to her you can you can see and they're all the great thing about the questions is that all questions that you she could potentially answer correctly like shoes is not an alien thing like it's just a diff, different thing she should know more places in iceland I mean, the answer, I believe, is Fortuna Major, which is not a real place in Iceland. It's a she... spell in Harry Potter, though, I think. Yeah, I believe... No, I think it's the password. It's, in the, password. it's a password. Yes, that's it. <laughs> um, but... You guys are good. <laughs> well, yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any other thoughts on Rose in terms of our interactions with Roderick and um, or, and or the end of the episode? I want to talk about the Daleks uh, separately, but yeah. I, just one thing I forgot to mention with Roderick is there is a pitch-perfect line at the end of the game of The Weakest Link where he turns to Rose and says you lost it is so funny and Patterson Josie 
spits it at her, doesn't he? he like, like there is a so much it at her. He doesn't just like. There's no apology. No, not he, not he, a hint of it. He doesn't feel any remorse for the fact that he's, and not that he should feel bad because it is do or die. Mm. But it's gleeful and it's horrid, mm. and it's so interesting. Like as a choice, like as a writing choice, but also as an acting choice that they decided to. He isn't just he isn't just another victim he is also an enabler of a very toxic society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was literally yes. what i was going to say is that i think that strood is the same strood is playing the game in this in this society um it's it's like it's very obvious that he's almost been brought up in this society whereas, when he play, when he's been playing big brother whereas linda resists linda resists and that's why the doctor is drawn to linda is linda linda is almost timeless it doesn't seem like she is a product of a society whereas roderick very much is mm. um i would mm. say that groff is as well in that in in a different way in that in her, in her fear in that groff is the person who dies first um, in, in the weakest link in the weakest link um i think that it, she looks she Never questions the game. She asks, she makes excuses for her performance in the game. Mm. She blames herself. Yes. She doesn't blame the system, which is bizarre and insane. But I, but understandable if for, for the past hundred years. Think about it. it it's this is the wonderful thing about you having could write hundred a hundred years. On, like so much stuff that's going on in season one. Yeah. Well, we kind of the, the wonderful thing about this episode is that for forty four minutes, probably different to the actual podcast time that's going to go out, but in in, in forty four minutes of recording time, we have not talked about the Doctor and Road. We've talked about mainly the situation, and I think that speaks. It's so, an achievement of the episode. It really is. Like it really resonates with. I. This is a question. Do you think this episode would resonate to? Because the Doctor Who has got quite a large international market as well as a UK market. Do you think yeah. this episode would resonate as much with an American audience in in terms of the? Because uh, I would argue that in terms of the reality sh- TV show nature of it, the Amer- American people would get that, but not the cultural references you, of Ann Robinson. So are you, they, would get, they would get the weakest link. The weakest link, the weakest link was on in America yeah. for like twelve years. That's so and true. Yeah. Ann Robinson did it out there. It was yeah. huge. It was huge. Now you don't have to tell me. I think they Trini- Trini- they'd Susanna, rec- I think they never rec- made it in America. Ann Robinson did make but it. But they recognize. But they'd recognize a makeover show. Yeah. Yes. Big Brother. Um. Recent. That's Big Brother say. is just. Tell me, I don't but know. Al- but al- Since but about also, two- you still you have Jersey Shore. You have Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and I know they're not. They don't work in the same way, but just following people in a house that's that would work it's it's happened big brother has just recently got the popularity literally you know big brother in the uk is petered out like it's now yeah. it's now cancelled oh um, is it? i thought it was on channel five it's gone for, it's, it's gone. gone it's gone do you think um, they'll bring it back in it rylan back, clark yeah. is desperate to do it and if i have and i believe in him mm. um <laughs> yeah if rylan clark wants it to happen it, it will probably happen rylan clark is is he hosting, can do anything rylan clark can do anything we are such anything. fans of rylan I clark love rylan. <laughs> Sorry, Rylan Clark Neal. I do apologise. On this this, um, question. Oh, Big Brother. Sorry, just just before you say that, Big Brother. um, It's had a resurgence. So the literally last year was the first season of Celebrity Big Brother in the states. Anyone I know on it? Omarosa. Who really? Yeah. That's so interesting. It was really, and she talked about with Ross Matthews, who is also on it. Who. Um, I don't know if you know him, but he is a drag race judge. That's what I know him from. Uh, he's all, he was also a um, entertainment correspondent. He was the he he was um, the in the Jay Leno show. He right. was the gay on the scene. He did he covered things <laughs> like the Winter Olympics and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, and wow. that's how he got he his was fame. Kind of the roving reporter, wasn't yes, he? Yes, and yeah. he was great. That's um, great. And 
um, he was on the show and he has this conversation with Omarosa about should we be worried? And Omarosa goes, yes. And so that so that's a really meta moment where like Omarosa breaks the fourth wall into the Trump presidency because obviously she was at one point in his for some reason she was in she was in his staff or something. Mm. Mm. Literally, Donald I, Trump. I have seen both seasons of The Apprentice in the U.S. when Omarosa gets fired because there's a compilation bit of Piers Morgan versus Omarosa for 58 minutes. It's that often they they clash. Omarosa is useless on. T- twice in this in the season and yet donald trump still hires her um i mean i wouldn't i'm not surprised the man's a maniac but uh, you know uh, we we can talk about that another time yes we don't privately all our trump supporter listeners but actually we do yeah fuck actually off. we do fuck yeah off, you yeah guys. exactly but uh i was, go- I was gonna ask yes before we move on i keep saying before we move on we never actually move on but... <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's good it's, it's quite a good uh, poster yes. let's move on but not yeah it's that and this is not really an easter egg yeah. but that, those are our two now if this see if this episode was aired today what would the references be good question um well it'd have to be some kind of I think Bake Off I think potentially Taskmaster I've, is Taskmaster that big it's just gone to channel 4 mm. I think it's got quite cult that there would definitely be it Taskmaster or not Taskmaster. There would definitely be, I think, a comedy panel show. Comedy panel show. Where yeah. If your joke wasn't funny, you got transmatted. I think almost certainly. Oh, yeah, a pa- a pa- okay, that's potentially Countdown. Uh, I know that's an aged reference, but eight out of ten, ten cats on Countdown is now a hit. The, but it's already that's already a satire of Countdown. That's mm. true. Yeah. I maybe Bake Off is too wholesome to kind of lump together. So no, but I think I've that got but, images of a, a robot Mary Berry and a robot Paul Hollywood shooting people, but, but, but and that would be dark. But, I that's, think that's... but the point is, like, our then again, our obsession with the weakest link wasn't particularly malicious. No, no. So I think our obsession with the weakest link was about, like, as I said about Anne Robinson reading, it was never mean spirited. I don't think Anne Robinson ever offended anyone who went on the weakest link. I think Love, I think Love Island, but it would be like a, they'd turn it into like a battle royale, Lord of the Flies. Yes, yes. yes. Love Island would be a yeah. good so one. Like, definitely, Love Island would be there. Um, you couldn't so direct on the beach because the exes would have to come out of the sea and they'd all be dead, so that wouldn't work. And there'd be sharks. <laughs> there'd be sharks. Ah, so oh, okay. that's good. So, Love Island, Bake Off. Jolly Shaw. Jolly Shaw's not really it's just, a. It's, it's not too, a competition. It's also too similar to Love Island. Um, what other competition? Like the, it, the third one has to be the least relevant, <laughs> like the Trini and Susanna. Yeah. Well, Trini and Susanna were pretty big at the time. No, but but in terms of maybe as, I was only watching, a, but I was but watching like Trini and Susanna as a comment on. What? Well, yeah. What maybe be, that, would, a different would that be comments. the panel show. Yeah, I mean, I do think, I do think, you think more, 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 more than fifteen years ago, I do think the 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 like quite generic, almost robotic panel show comedians. They go on all the shows, they they, they tell very similar. But at the jokes. time, there was only really like I think had what the week start from two thousand five. No, I think it was later. Because it was it was have I got Maybe news? For, have I got news for you? I was just having news. Even like I think question the question of sport. I think the big telling point in the in the change in our obsession with panel shows is Room One Hundred One. Room One Hundred One started with um, Paul Merton. Is that the guy uh, from um, Have I Got News for You? Yeah, it's yeah. Paul Merton. Then it was Frank Skinner. Yes, but with Paul Merton, Skinner, isn't it? I think you're still Frank Skinner. Mm. With Paul Merton, when he did Room One Hundred One, it was one on one. Literally, you had one guest, okay. and they went through okay. four or five different things. Yeah. Now there's three, and it's a panel show format. Yeah. And I think that perfectly encompasses our addiction with panel shows. Yeah. I think Mock the Week is what did it. Yeah. I think that's what started. The whole that, and made, then, it, that uh, made it mainstream. Yeah, I think yeah. that, and then eight out of ten cats, and then what's what's the other one that's? Oh, um, would I like to you? Would I like to you? Thought yes. About, would I like to you? But if you don't get it right, you get transmitted. Yeah. Would I like to you? Or you get your tongue cut out. 
people. Well, we know they had to be transmatted because obviously then they can be. That's why they don't get stars in their they eyes. Can... That, that's why that makes no sense. Stars in eyes with real stars in the eyes, right? Because you get blinded. Because yeah, 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 you yeah. look into a star. That's, that doesn't that's make clever... any sense because we, we find out that that's they're a not. Pun. We find out that they're actually not being killed. They're no, being, but stars no, they, they get blind. But if you blind them, then how can the Daleks use them? Spoiler: There are Daleks in this episode, yeah. which, is, which is which is in this which episode. Which we've not mentioned. It, we've it, mentioned it, three it times. No, I, I know, but we've not, we've hardly <laughs> yeah, like yeah, talked yeah. about it. Um, shall we? We've not talked much about the Doctor, so should we talk about the Doctor and Linda? Yeah, that's a nice that's a nice way of, mm-hmm. of starting that conversation. They mm-hmm. should fuck. <laughs> there is serious chemistry. There really is. Serious so much. chemistry. It's, it's nice. Yeah, it's it not just. Like, it, it's kind of hot, but it's like it's nice. Yeah, I buy it. I, I completely buy their their attraction to each other he likes blonde women he does like blonde women he thinks she's sweet I really she believe she clearly him. has daddy issues she clearly has daddy issues uh, the moment the moment when he turns to her and says she's sweet and then she says no one's ever called me that before how has no how has no one called her that is like her well, whole thing well because Maybe everyone's we, we, we don't is know, it their society yeah we don't know what happens in the society it may well be they literally spend all their time in their house watching the TV don't go anywhere nothing happens well, maybe I, they're all isolated we know what that feels like now don't we well yeah. I also think that he says in a room with two people People, none of whom he lives with. Yes. Well, we'll edit that bit. We're, al- we're allowed to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Kind yeah, yeah. of. I um, think that I think that the moment that the Doctor realizes is that sweet moment because up until that point, the Doctor is focused on both getting out and working out what the scenario is, and is not really interested, and invested in the whole scenario. No, really the fact, that that, the fact there are humans involved. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of like he's sort of like it's kind of talking to Linda, but not. And then it's mm. the moment where Linda says, "Do people like me?" He's it's the Doctor switches his whole demeanor. And it's a, yeah, yeah, he does. You're sweet, and that's he what's goes, lovely about it. He goes that. a bit charm and smarm, doesn't he? Charm and smarm. <laughs> for, for for the reference, uh, for, sorry, for the record, um, charm and smarm is how I describe Tom's hair. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which um, needs a wash. But he does. He, uh, you're right. He 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 switches it up. It's almost like I I I was talking. Um, to someone else about this recently and saying that there is a moment where the Doctor, he softens and becomes very gentle with Linda in that moment. But it, there is an argument that I make that it was almost a tiny bit dark, the Ninth Doctor there, because he, he completely ignores her. Then he she shows herself as very vulnerable and suddenly... Okay. Charm and Smarm is there. But it, so, it could just be very genuine because no, he, he, you know, he I think Chris Rackerson's smart is very genuine. He clearly I, really likes her. I think you're... I think you're right, but I think it speaks to a larger thing about Eccleston as the Doctor, or the Ninth Doctor in general, is that it's not that he doesn't care, but he needs to be reminded to care. That's he needs to be reminded yeah. that he yep. cares. Yeah, I think that's Because fair. he does, and it's very easy to get caught up in the big picture. Mm-hmm. But we see that he is more productive, and he does achieve more when he focuses on individuals like Rose, like Jack. When it's not just about solving a puzzle and saving the world, mm. it is about the people. It is about the people that he's saving and latching onto someone. I think it's a very good. It's a very good way to do that. And for, for example, when Rose is apparently killed, he doesn't go into despair. He is fueled by that. He is enraged yeah. by that. Yeah, and that allows him to in a like. In a quite a badass way, break out of prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, first of all, the easiest prison to get out of. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really quick. It's literally like, let's do this, bam, and then do... I love the move that Jack does. Like a it full makes on, no like, sense. It makes no sense. Spider Man, like kick the wall, kick the door down. That's great. Um, 
I was going to say about, I've been charting throughout the series, the fact that Doctor hates Matt men. I do think it's very interesting that, that, I mean, out of the three, Linda is probably the most receptive. But like, again, it's the Doctor making friends with another, or making a potential love interest in Linda, maybe, maybe more romantic, but another woman. It's throughout this series, the Doctor has not got on with one single man apart from Jack. In this whole series, and Jack, it's a kind of a love-hate relationship. Exactly, he, he, yeah. He loves him, but he finds him a little bit. I irritating. think, I think at this point, he he bickers a bit, but I think at this point, I sense a real fondness with him and Jack. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think speaking yeah. to what we spoke about um, when we were talking about the Empty Child, I wonder if part of that is that Jack is, in a lot of ways, extremely masculine, but also in a lot of ways quite non-traditional in his masculinity because he's a queer man. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so essential. It's a lot more of a genuine. It, it's not for sh- it's not so much for show, as it is. It, he's an interesting person, and the doctor sees his good points. I, I also think that by the end, I think by part of Boomtown, there is some sort of begrudging relationship forming with Mickey. It's starting. Or it's forming, and it, I think it becomes more of a thing later. I think that if that episode hadn't existed, the 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 change between um the, the change between Tennant's relationship with Mickey and Eccleston's relationship with Mickey, if Boontown didn't exist, that would be so stark. Jarring. It, would, it would be jarring, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because of that episode, I mean, we talked about on Boomtown the fact that Mickey and the Doctor are sitting next to each other at that Which table. so small, but so significant. And then, mm-hmm. and they're sort of like little, giving little glances to each other when Jack's telling a story. Mm-hmm. And that's a really nice moment of catharsis in their relationship. Um, even though the, the Doctor still has got his head up about Mickey because of Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice thing about the relationship. Um, it, uh, talking about his, the Doctor's hatred of men, I think I've I think I've think worked it out in my own head of what Rusty Davis is potentially trying to say here. Okay. Because, if, so what, my point of this is, is the only man that the Doctor likes in this series, and who is a man, is Charles Dickens. And that is a kind of fanboy relationship. Every other man in this series, the Doctor is not fussed by. But you've got, in the long game, he makes friends with those, um, I can't remember the name of the characters, but the two... the two Anna main... Maxwell Martin. Yes, Anna Maxwell Martin, the two female <laughs> characters. Um, in, um, in End of the World, uh, it's Jabe. In um, Aliens of London, it's Harriet. In Father's Day... Um, Father's Day, it's it's that doesn't really it doesn't really uh, happen with. You know what? He does spend more time with Jackie than he does with Pete, and he also spends time with the wife of the person that's getting married. That's the moment he softens. Do you remember when they're talking? Yes. Do you remember that? The... And she promises that, and he promises that he'll get them out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, we you mentioned going back to Empty Child. Um, Nancy. Nancy, exactly. The Doctor and Nancy spend the whole of the Empty Child together. Um, my, basically, what I've been trying to say here is that in classic Who, there was always the ma- the male Doctor and the female companion role. The female companion role kind of filled the role of both victim, scream subject, and also a bit um, late, later on with Tom Baker, sort of with Leela onwards, sort of eye candy. Um, and they, because they were women, they sort of played this. I think Rusty Davis does a very smart choice of making the the doctors have a like strong relationship with lots of strong women in this series, which then kind of explains why the doctor 
always had a female companion apart from Jamie um, and Adric in the in the classic series. I think that it does a really good job of of I mean, making the Doctor less creepy with the fact that he was just a spew of constant women mm-hmm. in the, in the past. It also explains of like the Doctor has. A, um, an almost relation, relating nature to a more a, maybe the more emotional side of, of female, a female energy mm-hmm. and I think that's quite a nice way of writing it and it kind of in my mind explains all of the Doctor's previous things which could be seen as quite classically male of like explaining to the female female in the room I, I will say and giving them a bit more agency and autonomy can I, I will say that Ian was one of his first companions and he had a long standing relationship with the Brigadier that's true, but they're, they're different sorts. Of, the, the dynamic was different, but he did have more male companions than just the ones you mentioned. But I will say that those, t- the Doctor in those scenarios, they still had the female companion of Susan, and then Susan got replaced by the next screaming female compa- companion. No, I'm not taking away from any of these no, act- I, I, act- I actresses. Know you're not. I know you're not. Um, but like they all were amazing. Like and one of my favourite classic companions, who is probably one of the most screamy, is Polly from the first and second Doctor, mm-hmm. um, mainly because I've met her. Um, <laughs> well, I met her. I saw her at a screening, and she's batshit crazy. I love her. What about um, Romana? I love Romana. Ram- Romana's amazing, Roman. and, and Sarah Jane Smith's amazing. But like these characters did fulfill for, for a function. But Ian, the first Doctor is always quite different because Ian. They're still figuring it out. They're still figuring it out, and the Doctor wasn't the action hero, whereas no. the second Doctor is the action hero. They always needed, the, and they, then the third Doctor definitely was the action hero. Exactly, and have it, and and that scenario is even more different because they ground it on Earth with the Brigadier. The Brigadier is almost like a, a he's, plot he, device. He's a lot like way. Ian. Like yes, he's he's, he's, he's the of, action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a really that's a really. Um, you were going to say point. something, please, yeah, please. So, sorry. Uh, the way I the way I look at it, especially with Christopher Eccleston in this series, and this, in fact, in many ways, in my opinion, when I was watching it as a kid. I think maybe because of the way I've been brought up, whatever. This is thing I always thought, is you talk about the Doctor needing to be reminded to care. It always has seemed to me that the Doctor needs to be reminded to care about people that are not intelligent. The Doctor consistently, be it, be it Chris Frexton or Tennant, they, that, the Doctor has a habit occasionally of, if he thinks someone is not very intelligent, of just dismissing them and ignoring mm. them. And I think in series one of, of uh, well, Chris Frexton's only series... It seems to me that he is far more willing to give, in his view, an unintelligent woman the time of day than he is an unintelligent man. Mm. Do you think part of that is that he sees an unintelligent woman as just just that, an unintelligent man is dangerous? Yeah, I do. I do. And yeah. I think that's like, Henry that's, Van, like Henry Van Stassen, for example. Absolutely. That's, that's what we, so, so, yeah, and... and I think he has to be reminded first and foremost to care about anyone that is not as intelligent as him and almost nobody he ever meets is. And I think that's that's how he sometimes has to be reminded to have that vulnerability. Going back going back to Charles Dickens, um, he is also the only male character that he likes from the beginning. Yes. And it's because not he just knows. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and he knows maybe, he's clever. Maybe not intellectually equal, but intellectually up there with him. Different. I mean, the Doctor couldn't write Charles Dickens' books. No. Maybe, no. maybe he did. That's I good, don't know. It's a good argument. If he could, but, but we yeah. can... For another day, but would you? I I potentially put a counterpoint of that with people like Cassandra. Um, is is that is a in in that is a well, well? I suppose that she is quite intelligent as a as a as a woman, and he does give her the time of day. He doesn't dismiss her. She immediately she makes the wrong first impression. Yeah, mm. she presents herself because she is presented. Mm. She is introduced, mm. and she's really quite toxic and quite mm. horrible. Yeah, and I think he and he. 
finds it funny, to be honest. Yeah. And yeah. she plays music and says it's an iPod and it's a jukebox and yeah. he starts, like, he does his little dance. He's not malicious to her. He just gets her. He figures her out based Very on quickly. how she talks and says, mm-hmm. and thinks, okay, Jabe is genuine. Jabe is a nice, you know, person. I feel drawn to this person. Just in a way that he doesn't understand. He understands what Henry Van Satin is, but he doesn't understand he doesn't that like, motivation and doesn't like it. He, he, he understands Cassandra. He understands like the motivations behind yeah. Cassandra. I will. I will also say that you said before being drawn to the caring side of female energy, which I mean, don't want to don't wanna generalize. Well, but yes. But in this season, he has just undergone a massive trauma. He has mm-hmm. lost his family. He has lost his planet. He has. A huge amount of guilt. I think that he is drawn not only to characters that necessarily have a female energy. I wouldn't rephrase that as femininity rather than female energy because I don't think that I don't think it's necessarily a thing that's a female trait. I think it's about femininity. That's not the point I'm making. Sorry. The point I'm making. He is drawn to characters that are emotionally intelligent Mm. and are warm and caring in a lot of different in different ways. It happens that the characters Rusty Davis wrote to fulfil that role are all women. Mm. And maybe that's a 2005 thing. Maybe that's just a way it's written. Or maybe it is. there is truth in it. It's but... also a Rusty Davis writing thing. You look at you look at previous series he's done, like Queer as Folk. The, every, every gay man in Queer as Folk is a bit despicable. It's the female characters who are the real heart of the series, who okay. like ground it. Same with Cucumber... Um, and same with I, I don't and same with years it, I, and years. I don't think it's the case with years, years and years. I think that um, is is who's Ross Toby's character, Danny. Danny. Oh yeah, he he's, he's it. lovely. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, that's he, he's true. Not just, he's not bitchy at all. Yeah, that's true. Actually, years and years is a dif- is a difference in but, that. But it's much. It, it comes out much later. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but I think it's just he's attracted to that aspect of those characters who will happen to be female, and I don't think it's coincidental. But I think that's what they have in common more than being women. Which is why I think the 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 point that you were saying about Jack is that he has some of this energy, which is why the Doctor likes him. It's non-traditional well. masculinity. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's not an intellectual equal, but he understands some of the cultural shorthand that the Doctor has. He can yeah. keep up with the Doctor, can't he? The Doctor's not going to have to stop all Absolute, the time and abso- explain everything to him. Absolutely. Um, can we talk a bit about the Daleks? Because the main antagonist of the episode we don't really get much into the end and even then we don't fully understand what they're up to yes but let, let's just talk about them briefly um how do you think about what do you think about how they're reintroduced um well we've talked about the next time that's stupid but um yeah. <laughs> that Jesus is really stupid Christ. um i i but in the ep- in just the text of the episode well, in i mean in the text of the episode the first hint the first hint of exposition we get about them is through my favourite character in the episode, the controller. <sighs> yes. The control- I love the controller until you see her without the weird lighting. Yeah. 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 That's what it completely changes. The whole face changes. Like, she looks almost ethereally youthful in that thing. It looks like she's taken out of time, which is she is, because she was but taken as a child. I just think it's weird. Like, it's just... The lighting is so overexposed, and it just looks like a costume. Mm. It looks like she's made up. She looks like she's gone to a rave. Like her hair's all... Sp- you can see the work's been done. It's just... 
it wouldn't have taken that much just to shoot that in a low lighting setting. Or you just show the a, face. I, I always thought it was a deliberate choice to have her suddenly out of the ethereal blue lighting, suddenly in the harsh yellow-white lighting of the Daleks. Because then you see what they've done to her. You can see that's, a, that's a, that skin that's never seen the sun. You know, it's a body that's never it's, left it's that not, contraction. It's not that. It's For me, it was just... I don't think the costume was good enough and the thing it was to match what we thought of it it might be that that was intentional but I just it does look a bit cheap it, it, it does yeah, it, it looked a bit cheap and it just it w- I think it would have been better to have been shot lower lighting and from further away mm-hmm. I think like she's been put into like an empty space and far mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. further away but uh, I agree with sorry I, I agree with okay. both of your points but I but what I what just struck me about what you said uh, Tom is that I like the fact that I, because I, I, I'd, I'd always agreed with you is that I thought that she looked terrible. But having just heard what you said, it just strikes me that before, until that very moment that she is put into that Dalek thing, she is hooked up to a wired machine. She is part machine, part thing. She is that ethereal presence. Mm. She gets her humanity back mm-hmm. on I, I, her death. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I, that is a deliberate choice, even though I agree with you, the costume is naff. I don't like the greenness of it. It should be like blue or like black and white or something. That, But like, uh, that's a very clever choice. I, I don't, I understand the intention and I don't disagree with it. It's about the execution. I don't think it was successful. Okay. I agree with the intention. I don't think it was executed well. Okay. Oh no, I, I think obviously... I don't think it was executed badly. I just think that if you're watching it thinking that looks a bit naff and not, oh, she's a human, oh my God, then it doesn't work. Okay, that makes sense. In, um, in my opinion. What would, mm-hmm. You've said that she was your favourite character in the episode. What's your like? Yeah. What's your reasons for that? Um, I, I love the fact that the great twist all along that we find out that we find out when she has that brief moment of clarity almost like a character waking up from the Imperius curse in Harry Potter. Mm. Um, is it when there's an asteroid? Is it an asteroid field? or something happens? Solar flares. Solar, solar flares. flares that's yeah. it, solar flares. And she has that brief moment where she tells the Doctor, I brought you here. My masters fear you. And then she snaps back into her sort of controller mode. I just think it's... it's For me, it was a really... Fa- that is why I wished that they hadn't had the Daleks in the, in the next time, etc. It was such a brilliant way to just hint. Just give us a little teaser... Because mm-hmm. it because it makes you think oh who who you know who fears the doctor the most who who would who fears the doctor the most out of anyone in the entire universe and that she had plucked them you know mm-hmm. this character who I think we're told that at the age of five she was installed I don't think we know how long she was there for but she's clearly an adult woman now so let's say you know minimum, she's gone through a whole min, like, minimum twenty years there yeah. probably um, and that she has she has despite all that despite how she spent twenty years or more hooked up to that machine without ever stopping the fact that she still retains enough humanity in her to be able to draw the doctor and the TARDIS to her and 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 she uses her very last breath to defy her masters i just i just think it's i think it's a beautiful piece of writing i love that idea of a character mm-hmm. having one one single act that she can do to defy her masters and she chooses I, to do it despite knowing she'll be destroyed i think what's so tragic about that is that we know that this is a hundred years after the long game. Let's say she's been up there for twenty years. Mm-hmm. It's clearly she's there to carry out an entire life cycle. We don't know how many people have done what she's done and for their whole lives, mm. you know, lived and died 
as a controller. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many different satellites use that mechanism and how many of them don't get that victory, mm. don't get that moment of mm. resistance. They can't do anything about it. Not, And she doesn't do it because she's braver than them. She does it because there is an opportunity. Because she finds the Doctor and is able to bring him onto the satellite. Well, it's not even the finding the Doctor. It's the it's the solar flares. It's the doc- it's, it's, finding it's, the Doctor it's... in a part of his timeline where 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 he's seen what's happened in the long game literally like this is it, it's it's not by coincidence that this oh, he, that yeah you're right he has to have seen the long game. he has to, he yeah, has to have experienced the long game for yeah. this timeline to have been created which means that he she needs to pick him up at a point where he has done what he's done in the long game which no other controller could don't have done beforehand so, we know that she's been waiting maybe a couple of decades to do that as well as the solar flats but do you ever do you think that there have been other controllers who were also looking for the Doctor, but never found him, and just lived and died as a, you know, a, a, as a, as a, quite as possibly, a machine. Quite possibly. I, I, I had always viewed it as actually she was exceptional. I, I, my, my impression was was that she was the one that made it happen. That so there was something different about this controller to previous controllers that made her able to do it. I, I, I had always seen it perhaps quite simplistically. As she was the bravest, but she was, she was the strongest. No, but was she the first? Even if that was the only satellite, was she the first in your opinion? No, I don't think she was the first. No, I don't think. Not, I mean, either. this is all headcanon, but I think mm. it's worth thinking mm. about that mm. she would have kept looking for the Doctor her whole life. That that's how I read that character, mm. and it is a great character, despite what I said about the costuming. Well, I love I you were talking about that scene with her and her and Eccleston have an amazing chem, oh. acting chemistry. Oh. Um, I love the moment where she's she she starts looking at the ceiling and it's 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 the fear and she's she's hyper hyperventilating etc. And the moment she switches and you realise that shit you shit has got real you this is dangerous to the doctor is when she snaps down like her eyes she goes from staring at the staring at the, the ceiling to staring directly at the doctor in eyes and she says speak of you that my masters they speak of the doctor and you literally feel and the music cue of that mm. is the dalek mm. Mm. like mm. the start of the daleks theme yeah. and you you really feel shit whatever this is is important do you want to hear yeah. something interesting about um the dalek theme no no, I'm joking. Go on. <laughs> um, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, you know the thing. They the there's like a, a line of there is a sentence just repeated in the song. Um, it is oh hooray hapa whatever it's called yeah yeah um, that's it. I'm that sorry. Is, that is no, it. it. It's, it's hooray ha ha hooray ha ha. It's that. No, you it's, did it, and I knew what you meant straight away. <laughs> I, I know. Look, I know what you. I know what you mean, but that's not what it is. Hooray hapa. Um, I love that you've committed to this fully. I think that's three renditions. I'm telling you, like I know it's and they, not. They got that. better and better. And then they could, and then it, and then it goes faster. It goes hooray, humpa, hooray, humpa. It's great. Oh, Dalek's theme. It's such a good theme. Uh, Although my favourite Dalek theme, yeah, while you keep on looking, is yeah. the realization at the season nine for beginning episode where um, the Missy. Clara and the Doctor realise they're on Scaro, and that's that's the that's the score we use for the cliffhanger for Aliens of London. It's my favourite Dalek theme because it it's it's so slow and it as the planet descends and then it's such a huge. Do you want, it's like do a you want, do you know bass it, drop. Do you know what it is? Hooray Hampa. No, it's Marcore. 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 Hooray Hampa. It's not. But do you know what it means. What is happening in Hebrew? Oh, 
Oh, that's interesting. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the beginning of a bass drop. It's like, what is happening? What is happening? Doesn't mean, what is happening? Or, I, what is happening? I don't know. I don't speak Hebrew. Mm. <laughs> that's so interesting. I want that to... Was there a question mark on the translation to what I'm saying? It's transliteration. Mm. Um, I don't... Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly how it how it's used, but mm. it's an interesting choice. I'm going to look it that is. up for the next episode because I'm really interested in that. Mm. Um, uh, we'll talk. Can we talk about the Daleks quickly? Because we were talking about the Daleks when we were talking about the controller. I will just, say... Just, quick, just quickly, before we do that, um, we're on the controller. We are, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> yes, I know. I've, I, 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 I literally, as you said, before we do that, and I was like, Charlie, have you seen the time? <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can edit. Good luck with the edit. Well, no, we can't. This has been such a... Full pa- Normally, we go on tangents about nothing this, for hours. This has been interesting. This has been yeah, interesting. It's quite, it's quite quick. Um, the people who work on the game station in the control room mm. are so well fleshed out. Mm. They feel amazing. Mm. Like, that's all. And they you have more, a, they have more next episode. That's more in the next episode, so we can talk about next episode. But I just want to shout out to those characters and how well they're written in a very... But not in an over-the-top way. They're just... You, you kind of get their deal. Yeah, yeah, you get the situation they're in. They're okay, pretty... you want to talk about the Daleks? No, yeah. no, no, but I just want to... You've now reminded me of what I want to say about this because I've written it as a note. Um, it is too distracting that it's Elaine the Pain from Tracy Beaker. I think it's that too all the way distracting. Through. It's too yes. distracting. It's Elaine the Pain, and I'm like... And she's kind of playing, like, a kind of arsehole role, but, like, she's got a heart of gold, which is Elaine the Pain's whole deal. shtick. I'm so happy you brought that up because I had literally thought to myself... Don't leave this podcast without talking about Tracy Beaker and Elaine the Pain. And you and you forgot him. Uh, no, it was there. The it whole there. deal. The whole deal. Her whole deal is like a, it's kind of the same kind of character arc. Is like you kind of hate her, but you kind of you kind of get what she's she, about. Yeah, I like I like to imagine that it is Elaine the Pain. <laughs> was she a Black Mirror? Uh, maybe like the first episode of Black Mirror. Am I imagining the that? first episode of Black Mirror is the politician, yeah. with the pig. I think she, she is she's a in journalist. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is. She is. Yeah. I've never seen that. I think that's the last time I've seen her in. Yeah. I've I've only watched I've I've only watched sparse episodes okay. of Black Mirror because I. All right. Daleks. Tom needs to go home. <laughs> yes. True. Daleks. Um. I. We were talking about the entry of the controller. I do not think that we need that. Si- Wait. Rose is still alive. No. That happens after the controller happens. No. Yeah, yeah, the first the first Dalek we see isn't isn't coming and getting Rose. It's coming and getting the controller. No, it's the, it's, it's coming wrong? it's coming to get Rose because it's what happens is the controller speaks of like speak of you, the master speak of you. Yeah. Then she goes out off the solar flares, and then Jack comes out of the cupboard, says the TARDIS has worked it out, and then they hug and like Jack figures out that it's a transmat rather than a thing, and then you see Rose wake up, and that's when the Dalek eye stalk, uh, and then and, the, and, and then you see the. Front, like you, it's the front, but but you see like you don't see the whole thing. It's kind of blurred. Mm. I, yeah, I I don't you know don't... if you see the front or you just see the electronic beam. You see you hear the noise of the Dalek moving. Which... I swear you see the back of I, I know like the bottom half of it. Maybe I always think. Oh yes, you do because she's on the floor and you see like you the, see the Dalek bumps, the tread. Yeah, the 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 mm. platform shoes. Yeah. Uh, of the Dalek. Yeah. <laughs> what did someone say? Someone on a comedy show said, um, "I've never understood why the Dalek wears orthopedic shoes." <laughs> It's a great line. I can't remember who it is, but I'm going to find that out next time. It's a great <laughs> line. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, you see the, the front of the bumper car that is the Dalek. You do see that. Um, I I think that... Uh, I don't like the opening shot when you see the Dalek. It's too wide. I would prefer it if it was a close-up on that one Dalek and then you see other Daleks around it as opposed to like the opening shot of like... It's almost too far away, and it also shows the 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 sort of the early two thousand five nature of the set. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like it, it looks empty. It looks empty it until you pan out and you see thousands of like uh, f- you know, you, you, flying above in all their CGI. You know CGI. I, 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 just wanna, I would love it PS2 if, one of, if graphics. one of those Daleks was like a bit a bit wrong. If like one of them was just like a bit shit. What is one of them like <laughs> well, r- r- rotating was, in a circle? A, just tangent. Simpsons um, Treehouse of Horror. There's the one where Homer uh, clones himself a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the Peter Griffin one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be really funny if like there was just a Dalek who was just a bit shit? Yeah, well, I guess, and you know, they they could have played on more the whole concept of also, you know, they're not pure Dalek; they're Daleks made up of mushed up human. But they could have played. But on the that outer, more, but they? the outer casing doesn't come into that. It, it is that wouldn't really affect, I suppose, the outward appearance. Mm. I guess you're so right about that, though. There is that. I mean, this is more parting the ways, so we'll talk about it more in parting the ways. But like, there is not a hint that these Daleks are. Apart from the worship him scene, that's the only hint you get that they are insane. Apart from that, they act in a very similar way that all Daleks act. Mm. Yeah, well... Apart from the Cult of Skyro, but they are exceptional. Like, those Daleks are exceptional. But also, they can't um, get the... There's a force field around the TARDIS. And because they're not proper Daleks... And I suppose they don't talk, they just kill in the party in the ways. That's what makes them scary in a way, is they don't... Apart from saying exterminate... And they, is, and they say, I think, proceed to the next level, and then they go down. They were like, ah, oh, my eye. <laughs> my oh, vision yeah, is impaired. impaired. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that, yeah. We'll talk about, no, I don't want to get into that. Shall we yeah. talk about the finale of this episode? Because yeah. that is a very, that is a big moment. I, so that is just, such a cool moment. Just to, just to prelude that, again, another, just before, uh, <laughs> the moment where, I think the moment that it emotionally hits that it's the Daleks is the ship is when you see the Doctor cancels out and then the theme plays and you see the panning out of the ship. I love the fact that it's a flying saucer. I don't know why. I oh, just... I, I know exactly what you mean. It's and something about it that just you feels... Don't, you don't need to know that that's what a Dalek ship looks like because you just know. Yeah. Yes. What yeah. is it? Is yeah. it the chrome? Is it the finish on it? Is it the sort of bronzy nature of it? Uh, I don't know. Yes, but also I think it is just the music, the directing... And the acting. The slow pan out, the doctor moving back. Just the look of horror. The the Jack saying, the Jack saying like, I thought that was just a myth or I I thought that was just a legend. Oh, I know those ships, they were destroyed. Yes, that's Mm. it. Mm. Um, um, Even though he says the, the, oh no, the time war was, he thought was just a myth. The Daleks existed in time. Yes, that's it. Um, Um, I just want to point out just a slight, a weird inconsistency. How do they know that Rose is the companion? Because they've not been watching the games. In, what, what, How do the Daleks know that Rose is an accomplice of the Doctor? That's a that's a, that's good, a good question. Point. That's a good question. Um, I mean, the answer is so that the storyline can finish I, I, up in forty five minutes. Um, but you're but is the answer not the fact that they we know they've been controlling Earth from since before um, the Doctor visited a hundred so years is it, ago? Is it from the long game? Yeah, it's from the long game. Okay, I that makes so. you know what that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I think it's I think it's yeah. from the long game, isn't it? Surely they recognise her from the long game because we're, was... we're specifically told they brought the Jagrafest. Yes, that's true. That is we're from the long specifically game. told that. Yeah, you... no, that, that makes perfect sense. You could excuse it as well of the it's fact that but... no. Yeah. You could excuse it as well as the fact that Rose knows what the Daleks are when she sees them, as opposed to all the other people who will have not. Oh, it's so when she says, "Oh, you." You would, you died, or you were destroyed. I can't mm. remember exactly what she yeah. says. Mm. She's like, no, oh my I god. I think she says, more. "I saw you die." Yeah, she thinks it's the same one. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Oh god. Um, the finale of this episode, the speech is. Christopher Eccleston has many brilliant speeches. Brilliant speeches. Everybody lives is an amazing one. 
Um, I love the one where he's about like the, the in the Unquiet Dead about the donor card. It's a different morality. Get used to it or leave. I love that. I love and, and everything in Dalek. He's basically just acting at full pelt. Uh, he's got lovely, lovely, lovely moments of speeches. There is just something so triumphant and almost like it's almost the the culmination of all that is fantastic about Eccleston in that one speech of no. Um, and I'm going to save Rose Tyler and just I'm, I'm, every stinking Dalek out of the sky. It's the the slight pause before that. Mm. It's the stinking. It's the northernness of that because this doctor is from the north of Gallifrey. Mm. It it just embodies so much of Christopher Eccleston's doctor and also the the fight, but also the it's almost the it's the campiness of the fight as opposed to the PTSD doctor. This is the triumphant tom baker doctor righteous righteous mm. doctor mm. yeah mm. I, I will say that his anti-dalek racism hasn't been cured as much as the end of dalek would lead us to believe i mean stinking dalek it's not very pc well no but it's i don't not. think the daleks might have an hr department <laughs> it would be dr department wouldn't it <laughs> yeah dalek ration dalek resources dalek yeah. resources oh oh no, i'm thinking of pr well sorry yeah dalek relations is a very different thing um, we've talk- talked about favourite... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. God. No, not egg, that kind egg, of Dalek relations. Egg whisk and plunger. <laughs> well, I, I think I said that and I thought of um, I thought of C-3PO saying human-Dalek relations for some known reason. Anyway. Um, Human-Cyborg relations. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about best moments and worst moments, so let's do it quickly. Can I start with best moment? Because I think this will sum up a point in the episode that we haven't talked about much. Okay. It's Jack pulling the gun out of the arse. Mm. Yeah. It's It's silly... It's campy. It's uh, I'm I I love that bottoming is mentioned in Doctor Who at one point, or just sticking things up people's asses, and it's normalised for kids who are seven. That's great. Um, you can pull anything out of your ass, and that's if that's believe, fine if you believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, you can pull anything out of your ass. That's that's mm. a really important message to send kids. Mm. Um, that sounded really wrong, but I, no, I, no, I think I think that came out exactly how you intended. Kind it to of, come yeah, out. but no, I think I think that there is something that is. It's 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 perfect writing of a queer character and a sexual joke for a young audience. It's kind of like it adds that sort of like bottom humor, like oh he farted humor of a seven year old, right? As well as adding to the more, it's like pantomime. Something that line everyone. is very pantomime. It's exactly. Something for everyone with that joke, isn't that? It's something for everyone. The kids laugh. The my dad laughs. Everybody laughs. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I love that line. And John Barrowman sells it fantastically. Yes. Just well, having, talked that about line. That, having talked about the fact that they filmed it with his, his ass showing and then the BBC censored his ass. The only, the only bit of censorship in the whole first series, wasn't it? It was the only, yeah. the only thing the BBC said, no, Russell, you cannot do this. They were fine with all the death and yeah, murder. Yeah, but they were. Just not John Barrowman's lovely buttocks. And he was furious. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm actually very annoyed about There's that. It's Doctor Who Confidential where they just do I'm sure if you look hard enough, you can find somewhere where John Barrowman showed his ass. Oh, I've seen it constantly. Mm. Um, mm. There's a very funny. You see it in Torchwood multiple times. Do yeah, you, you do. No. Oh, yes, you do. You Children do. of Earth, you see it a lot. You do. That's where you see it in Miracle Day. There's like a, there's um, a sex scene in Yes, you see it in Miracle honestly, Day. Guys, you see it, I reckon, over five times in Torchwood. My favourite moment from this episode, I think it's probably the Doctor's speech. Yeah. Um, although I do love the fact I mean it's not really a moment but I do just love the fact they got the voices of the real people who they were parodying yep Uh, Tom what's your favourite moment I think my favourite moment 
I've already talked about it, so I'm afraid that just, it's... Just say it. You can just say it. ...that it's a little bit lazy. But I do honestly... I just remember I watched this earlier today. It's just stunning. Is the first moment when the controller is... We, we've only seen the controller as being just this almost unhuman robotic thing. And that first moment where she's going, Doctor. Mm, doctor. Whispering. Doctor. And then... Yeah, we, um, you don't need to... And she, uh, and she, uh, yes, he does. And she, um, and then I think it's uh, Elaine the Pain goes, Doc goes, <laughs> Elaine the Pain goes, she's calling, she's calling for you, she's calling for you. And he snaps around, and just that moment where she she sees him, and she's, it's, I think it's incredible acting from the controller because although she's still got all that crazy makeup on, she still looks white as a sheet, somehow she manages to change her face and change her eyes so that you can see, you can see the human coming out and coming through it. And I love it. As I say she's my favourite character, and I think that's probably my favourite moment—the first bit of humanity from the controller. All right, Tom, what's your least favourite moment? Um, I think probably my least favourite moment is when. Remind me of the name of the character who dies first in the weakest link. Groff. Groff. I find Groff's death, and it's a testament to the actor. I find Groff's death genuinely quite dramatic to watch. I watch it. And she's screaming, she's begging for her life. She's saying, oh, it was the lights, it was the lights. Let me have another go, let me have another go. And then, boom, she's gone. The android gets her. And in that moment, I always watch it. I'm like, fuck, that is visceral. The fear in her eyes and the realisation of what this game is. I just think it's so dark. It's so yeah. dark. I mean, I you know, I do like it. I do like it. But, I mean, it really gets me. It really gets me a lot. What about you, Will? Um, I'm trying to find the name of the character. I thought I put it in my notes, but I have not. Um... It's this is a worse. This is a not a traumatic one. This is just an annoying one. Mm. Um, it's you know the character that dies when Rose has the speech about she was smart. She banked all her money. That character that you know the the one of the, one of the the all of the people die and quite like ah they all scream. That character just dies and she literally you can see her just going just completely poker face. She's she's in acting neutral. She's not doing a single thing. Mm. And her okay. death annoys me because I'm like everyone everyone else is screaming. Groff, you're so right. It's dramatic. It is really selling it. And she's just like yeah, okay, mm. cool. And she'd been and she'd been playing well really well in the game. So like why. I, unless it's an acting choice of being resigned to your fate, but I don't think it is, and I don't think that's enough to give it that, because she's literally, she opens the scene as, as mm. dying. Mm. Um, bad mm. moment. Mm. Charlie? Uh, you know what? I've, I've mentioned that I wasn't mad on the controller's costume, but now that I think about it, I think my least favourite moment isn't actually in the episode at all. It's in the opening credits, and it's the fact that Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper are both credited for the episode, but John Barrowman doesn't get top billing with them. Yes! Thank you so much, Charlie, for mentioning that. I, it, it always infuriated me when that happened. I, it, he is a companion. He is, he is in a multi-episode multi arc. He does more in this... Like, he is in more... I think he has as much, if not more, screen time than Rose. He ha he is by himself, acting by himself He's for the majority of the episode. character. Exactly. Yeah. You are... Yeah. 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 Um... And it's a travesty that he was not put in the opening credits. Um, Mind if I jump in? Because um, my my I might change my least. Favorite okay, yeah, yeah. Because my least. Or just, or just add one. Because my least favorite it. moment is uh, what I said before about the moment with Groth. 
That's your least favorite. That's your that's, most traumatic. That's my moment. most traumatic moment. Yeah. I think my least favorite moment, honestly, is and I remember as a child being disappointed, and as an adult, it is still disappointing. Obviously, I know that Rose can't die, right? But the reveal at the end of the episode, where it goes, the TARDIS has figured it out. Nobody actually dies. They just get transmitted. It's not a death ray. It's a it's a teleport ray. I just find it. A, a little bit, um, but also the fact that there's no concern for the well-being of those teleporters. No, it's no. not. It's not an, an easy solution. And I get that, like, yeah, they can go and save Rose, but so many people have been teleported, mm. and they don't, and they still don't really know no, where what's going on. Yeah, but they're happy. You know, Captain Jack is like Rose. Is, the TARDIS figured it out. It's all this like it's all this which, joyous, which is annoying. But I think what's more annoying about that is that it. It's not an answer. It's just a new question. Mm. I mm. think it would that would add extra emotional weight in. Although I do like the start to the parting of the ways because it's really fast to how the Doctor um, saves Rose. I do think that um, it would have been nice to have a scene where Rose sees all the characters who've been transmitted, literally being paraded into the Daleks, like in the Cybermen. That working. would be. I'm, that would be so dark. So dark. Like, but, and like for the first, se- the end, like that would just be like a huge risk for the first. Se- I, I get what you're saying, mm. but it would just. Oh my! They God. do it with the Cybermen in season two. They do. I, and it, I, I and know, it is. I know. It's a tough scene, that isn't it? Like, it is. You literally hear. You literally hear in the Cybermen. So you hear the machines whirring and them screaming. And you see you? needles. You see yeah. scissors. Yeah, you, you see, see that see... above shot of it all coming down, and then the, you hear like flesh being sliced. And also, um, yeah. Oh, it's a lot. And also, you get the Toclophane in season three. Yeah, you get the Toclophane with lots of yeah. yeah. There's just slice and dice. Well, a very similar plotline, a very origin story to this version of the Daleks, which mm-hmm. again we'll talk about more in Parting of the Ways. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if coming like at the end of the episode, I think it would have just been too much to I'm, show them being. I'm talking about the beginning of the next episode. Okay. As as the Doctor, like just just a scene of like. As Rose is like scared for her life, because that that scene with Rose at the beginning, like it's it's quick for a reason. I get the intentionality of the reason it's quick, right. but I think that that might be quite nice to add a bit more peril to Rose's situation mm-hmm. if she's mm-hmm. like ready to get lined up with the rest of the humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, right. it does right. feel talk, like talk, there's we not. Talk about, we can talk about that next week. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't think that we should have had if we're going to have that reveal of oh it wasn't a death ray all along it was a transmat ray. I think that should have waited for the second episode. It comes at the end of the first episode, and for me, I don't enjoy it as a piece of writing. I kind of sigh a little bit. It comes too quickly for me. And if they were going to do that, which they did, I personally would have liked us to have ended. So on you'd, the have li- you'd have liked to have spent a week thinking Rose was, was dead. dead. Absolutely, the first season. But then thinking that... they killed, thinking they killed off the main sporting character in the first season. Oh yeah, I would but have that loved doesn't. It. Well, first of all, people knew uh, j- just as a meta point of view. And I know we have to wrap up soon, but people knew Billy Piper was staying. And people knew Chris Freckleston was leaving. Not the kids. The kids didn't know. True. I didn't know he was regenerating. Neither did I. My parents told me that he was leaving. Uh, I didn't know. I had no idea. Mm. I was shocked when that happened. And I, I yeah, was a kid. I was a kid. Well, I, that... I didn't know what regenerate, but I was like, they said, oh, they're changing actor. And I was, oh, so we'll be the same character played by a different actor. I didn't understand the mechanism. Mm-hmm. I as and I was I as a kid was a very I'd already watched two years previously lots of other Doctor Who stuff, so I was on the Doctor Who website all the time. Um, and I just must have slipped my view, and I didn't know. Um, maybe I think my I think my I give my parents a lot of credit in terms of my Doctor Who viewing experience because I think they saved from me a lot of spoilers and directed me away from a lot of these things. Well, which that's going to be helpful. really interesting. 
when we, when we go on to our next podcast, we're going to have two people who didn't know Regeneration was coming. Yeah. And someone who had a sense, kind of, that it was coming. But I didn't know what Regeneration was. Exactly. Yes. But I hadn't I'm, seen I'm it. Very much looking you didn't forward. know how it was going to work. But you knew, knew that it. he wasn't. I knew yeah. My parents were like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about that. So but did I you also, think it was like a James Bond change? Well, I'm kind I kind of knew who Davros was, so I thought in the next time the Dalek Emperor, the voice, I thought that was Davros. Ah. I think a lot of people did, and I think that may have been an idea they had at one point. But again, that's not hugely relevant right now. Um, we like to finish off by giving a rating. Out, yes. Out of, I, out of nine. I think in terms of Easter eggs, we've actually peppered a couple through yeah. the episode, so let's just move on to the Which rating. Which is fine, and it just needs careful editing. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to edit all the Easter eggs at the end. Just like, and this Easter no, no, egg I just, is... I just, mean this, da, 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 da. I just mean this episode is a mess. No, it's, it's <laughs> this episode has been the most Doctor Who focused out all of them. That's I will true. say, <laughs> we've done a good job of it's actually staying dive, on topic. Boys. It's a deep dive. This is a deep dive, exactly. Um, and just Tom, you have facilitated a wonderful conversation, so thank you. Oh, well, I've been delighted to be here. Uh, what would you rate the podcast out of nine? Not the podcast, the, the podcast. episode. Oh, God. So, I'm so <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Oh, so my God. God. you picked up on that. Because I was like, God, is he really asking me that? Well, no, no, that no, I want to like... be invited back. I want to do the second part oh of this. Oh, my God. Um, uh, <laughs> so, so you give us a nine. Yeah, of course. Of course, boys. Oh, well, I you give myself, fucking idiot. I give myself a nine as well. It's okay. Um, you're always a nine in my eyes. Oh, always, thanks. Always. Thanks. I'm, thanks. A, I'm a solid six. Seven if I'm sitting down. Oh, give yourself more credit. It's give seven if you're sitting down. <laughs> I'm a little guy. Um, my rating for the episode, I think I would have to give it a seven. I really enjoy this episode. I think it's a really, really good piece of Doctor Who. I think the music's stunning. The setting's stunning. I love the story. There are a couple of bits where I think it falls down a little bit. Like I say, I, I personally struggle with the reveal very quickly that, oh, they weren't being killed all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think there are a couple of points in the middle where lags just a tiny weedy bit but it's, it's got inconsistencies yeah it's, it's yeah. not a perfect episode and i agree it, it does have flaws and we've talked about them but yeah i'd be happy with this i really enjoy it. i think it sets up the second part really, really well mm-hmm. that's all you need for one of these two parts it does its job really well and i, I enjoy it as an episode i give it a seven as well mm-hmm. i was going to give it a seven um i think it's not perfect but there is so much that is original and different and not by the numbers, I think they do something really interesting um, by properly engaging with the culture that the show is existing in. And there are some really funny and dark moments. Uh, I, I think it's a really good episode. So I think seven is fair. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I, good. <laughs> good, good. I right, think man. that it's, you're right about the inconsistencies, but I think that as it's a, what I like about this is that as part of a two... is what I like about in season three, Utopia, as opposed to the finale of that two-parter, is that it is part of the finale, but it's got its own contained storyline that is actually resolved quite and, well and, and quite own, done. And its own themes. And its own themes. Mm-hmm. As it, 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 it can be a standalone episode, and it finishes as a standalone episode, um, as opposed to, I would argue, that Stolen Earth and Journey's End it, and um, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday... Um, whilst in Doomsday they have to explore the, the fact that Daleks yeah. show up at the end of it um, spoiler um, but it, 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 it almost runs I think it runs out of pl- runs out of plots and focuses heavily on the emotion both of those two episodes and, no, this and, one and never also, does and also how cool it is to get the Cybermen and the Daleks to fight each exactly. other exactly it's a, it's a, yeah. it's which, a, which is don't get me wrong that is cool that oh is the fan cool. service of that is 
brilliant. And as a kid, I was, I was, and it's and it's and it's well done. Mm. But it takes up a lot of the episode. And I will give this credit as well: is that Doctor Who? This is potentially retroactive credit, and it might not be to do with the episode itself, but it is really, it does still really affect my rating. Is that Doctor Who finales? From this point upwards, until about season six, this is the first Doctor Who, even though it takes place in the Earth, it's not modern day Earth and it's a different scenario and a different type of Earth and you have different type of characters. It's sci-fi. It's exploring the sci-fi of Doctor Who as well. Whereas season two, it's set on Earth. Season three, it's set on Earth. Season four, it's set on Earth. Season five, it is set on Earth in the past, but it is still Earth. And then the finale of season five is set in the present day. Mm. Um, And it takes to season six to have another one that's not... Oh, that's set in a parallel Earth. Yeah, wrong. Sorry. That's also set in a, on Earth. Season 7. But that, but that's, that's very... It's a very... That's one where all time's happening at the same time. Yes. But that's like a very sci-fi Earth. I that's a very sci-fi Earth. I, it's similar. But like, um, this is... This is... Does feel... Yeah, it does feel a, a very sci-fi concept. And I like that Doctor Who's finale of Series 1 doesn't take place on modern Earth. I have... I really like it's that. It's quite... Um, the twi- it's almost like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Like, it is just kind of shining a light on, like, an exaggerated version of... And it also makes, and again, parting of the ways, it also makes it much... When Rose goes home, it really emphasises the difference, but the similarities totally, totally. Of, of the two scenarios, and that adds emotional weight. Um, and I think I give it an extra extra credit, because I love reality TV shows, and I love the the extension of what this episode does in terms of like taking a concept and making a hyperbolic version of that. I don't think it talks down to the viewers of those shows either, which I think is to its credit. No, it'd I... be very easy to be very sneery, and it's. Mm. I don't think it is. As a fan of Big Brother and and I was a fan of The Weakest Link, I find them. I I, I find that it does a really good job of like celebrating those shows, but also ex- exploring why people watch them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I just want to say. Um, we had plans at one point to record back to back and um, and parting of the ways, and it is now twenty five past ten. Yeah, well, we start. Yeah, we 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 all came round at seven o'clock, and it's now twenty past ten. No, 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 we didn't all come round at seven o'clock. Will you've opened yourself up there, Will? Tom and I got here at seven o'clock after very strict instructions to, to arrive at seven o'clock on the, the dot. dot. Yeah, I said on the dot to him. I said exactly to Tom, and mm. I was in the pub. Um, <laughs> We were waiting for you. I turned up with another friend. Uh, yeah, it was it was all it was all way too much. Um, Shout having... out to that person. Yes, Ella Hugo. Ella Hugo, we friend love... friend of the pod, and we love Ella. We do. Um, we, we do. Friend of the pod. I, I like her. I don't know her that well. Yes, she's lovely. Anyway, oh, sure. <laughs> um, uh, thank you so much for listening. We love you very much. Yes, if you would like to follow us, we are at Doctor Hoodcast on Instagram and Doctor Hoodcast on Facebook. And we also at Doctor Hoodcast on Twitter. Yes, but we never use it. But we, we don't have any followers. We don't have any followers. We have literally have... no. We follow three people. No, we follow more people. We follow a lot of. people. We follow a lot of people. Um, We're I... working on it. We need a person. Yeah, yeah. We need a producer. Well, uh, Tom. No, I'm joking. Uh, we could do. You're well, busy. what are you doing, guys? <laughs> if you're listening to this and you have Twitter, why aren't you following these guys? Well, exactly, exactly. If are we you have following follow- us, no, but I will be. Exactly. <laughs> Correct answer. I will be. Um, but our main sources of communication, we've had a lot of lovely um, responses on the Instagram. Uh, we've got a, lo- a really quite. I think we're at about 130, 140 followers now. Oh, is that a lot? Uh, 
compared to zero on Twitter, yes, it is. Um, yeah, that's, I, deserve, um, I deserve that. And yeah, and I also, it's we've also got doctorwhocast at gmail.com. Um, I recently checked my email inbox hoping that people would email, and it was just spam from Google. Oh, <laughs> saying that's, better than, that's better than nothing. Saying your password has changed. Your password has changed every time I forget the password. Um, oh, so thanks. please email us, and thank you so much for listening. For listening, and thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. We'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. Bye. Right, and I'm off for some jelly babies.